Chapter Nine of the Revolt of the Angels. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Revolt of the Angels by Anatole France, translated by Mrs. Wilfred Jackson. Chapter Nine, wherein it is shown that, as an ancient Greek poet said, nothing is sweeter than Aphrodite the Golden. Although he had enjoyed Madame de Abel's favors for six whole months, Maurice still loved her. True, they had had to separate during the summer. For lack of funds of his own, he had had to go to Switzerland with his mother, and then to stop with the whole family at the Chateau de Parvieux. She had spent the summer with her mother at Niort, and the autumn with her husband at a little Normandy seaside place so that they had hardly seen each other four or five times. But since the winter, kindly to lovers, had brought them back to town again, Maurice had been receiving her twice a week in his little flat in the Rue de Rome, and received no one else. No other woman had inspired him with feelings of such constancy and fidelity. What augmented his pleasure was that he believed himself loved, and indeed he was not unpleasing he thought that she did not deceive him not that he had any reason to think so but it appeared right and fitting that she should be content with him alone what annoyed him was that she always kept him waiting and was unpunctual in coming to their meeting-place she was invariably late at times very late now on saturday january thirtieth since four o'clock in the afternoon maurice had been awaiting madame de abel in the little pink room where a bright fire was burning he was gaily clad in a suit of flowered pajamas smoking turkish cigarettes at first he dreamed of receiving her with long kisses with hitherto unknown caresses a quarter of an hour having passed he meditated serious and affectionate reproaches then after an hour of disappointed waiting he vowed he would meet her with cold disdain at length she appeared fresh and fragrant it was scarcely worth while coming he said bitterly as she laid her muff and her little bag on the table and untied her veil before the wardrobe mirror never she told her beloved had she had such trouble to get away she was full of excuses, which he obstinately rejected. But no sooner had she the good sense to hold her tongue than he ceased his reproaches, and then nothing detracted from the longing with which she inspired him. The curtains were drawn, the room was bathed in warm shadows lit by the dancing gleams of the fire. The mirrors in the wardrobe and on the chimney-piece shone with mysterious lights. Gilberte, leaning on her elbow, head on hand, was lost in thought. A little jeweler, a trustworthy and intelligent man, had shown her a wonderfully pretty pearl and sapphire bracelet. It was worth a great deal, and was to be had for a mere nothing. He had got it from a cocotte down on her luck, who was in a hurry to dispose of it. It was a rare chance. It would be a huge pity to let it slip. 
Would you like to see it, darling? I will ask the little man to let me have it to show you. Maurice did not actually decline the proposal, but it was clear that he took no interest in the wonderful bracelet. When small jewelers come across a great bargain, they keep it to themselves and do not allow their customers to profit by it. Moreover, jewelry means nothing just now. Well-bred women have given up wearing it. Everyone goes in for sport, and jewelry does not go with sport. Maurice spoke thus, contrary to truth, because having given his mistress a fur coat, he was in no hurry to give her anything more. He was not stingy, but he was careful with his money. His people did not give him a very large allowance, and his debts grew bigger every day. By satisfying the wishes of his inamorata too promptly, he feared to arouse others still more pressing. The bargain seemed less wonderful to him than to Gilbert. Besides, he liked to take the initiative in choosing his gifts. Above all, he thought that if he gave her too many presents, he would be no longer sure of being loved for himself. Madame de Abel felt neither contempt nor surprise at this attitude. She was gentle and temperate. She knew men, and judged that one must take them as one found them, that for the most part they do not give very willingly, and that a woman should know how to make them give. Suddenly a gas lamp was lighted in the street and shone through the gaps in the curtains. Half past six, she said, we must be on the move. Pricked by the touch of time's fleeting wing, Maurice was conscious of reawakened desires and reanimated powers. A white and radiant offering, Gilbert, with her head thrown back, her eyes half closed, her lips apart, sunk in dreamy languor, was breathing slowly and placidly when suddenly she started up with a cry of terror. "'Whatever is that?' "'Stay still,' said Maurice, holding her back in his arms. In his present mood, had the sky fallen in, it would not have troubled him. But in one bound she escaped from him. Crouching down, her eyes filled with terror, she was pointing with her finger at a figure which appeared in a corner of the room, between the fireplace and the wardrobe with a mirror. Then, unable to bear the sight and nearly fainting, she hid her face in her hands. End of chapter 9